Since our time with Noah, the ark, and the olive leaf last week, the story of God and humanity has continued in Genesis, culminating in the building of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. There, as you may remember, humanity determines to build a name for themselves by erecting a tower that will touch the heavens. God is not pleased with their ambition and arrogance, so God topples the tower, scatters the people, and confuses their language. Then at the end of chapter 11, we are given a lengthy genealogy, all the names, right? Which ends with the family of Terah, the father of Abram. In the midst of the list of names, we are told that Abram is married to Sarai, who is barren. Now I invite you to listen as I read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Together, let us listen for the word of God. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abram built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord, and Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I think this is an understatement, but I am not an experienced camper. Glamping with all the luxuries of a fancy hotel, I could maybe do. But regular, real tent camping is not my natural habitat. We asked for and received a tent as a wedding present. We've now been married 28 years. Dave and his friends have used it, and I have never slept in it. In fact, I've slept in a tent just a handful of times, one of which was a week-long outdoor education trip in seventh grade. Still amazed that that tent, the tent we slept in there, managed to stay up for one night, let alone three. I also slept in a tent outside Boston the night before a three-day, 60-mile breast cancer walk. It rained so much and so hard that I and all my belongings were floating when they woke us up early to get us walking. No one was really sleeping anyway. In both cases, I give thanks that my tent was well-staked, that despite my ineptitude and inexperience, somehow the tent held firm, giving me cover from the darkness and the elements, at least from above. 
In my few experiences with tents, I have learned that it is important that the stakes are driven deep and well into firm soil so that the tent can withstand wind and rain and whatever might come in the night. But even the most well-driven stake is not meant to be permanent. Eventually, stakes must be pulled up. Tents are made to be moved, intended to be temporary, not fixed for any length of time. This morning, we meet Abram and Sarai, who will soon be named Abraham and Sarah. As I mentioned before, they are only identified initially as relatives of Terah, descendants of Noah through his son Shem. They're quite unremarkable Mesopotamians by all accounts. Sarah's one distinct trait is that she is barren, the first woman named and shamed in this way in the Old Testament. Then out of the blue, God tells Abram to pack up his family and go. God provides no triptych from AAA, no GPS on a smartphone, no cartoon-like treasure map where X marks the spot. God simply tells Abram to go to a land to be named later. And Abram goes. The Hebrew word translated here as journey literally means pulling up tent stakes. This is not a new thing for Abram and Sarai. Their life is already a nomadic one. They know how to pound in and pull up tent stakes, but this time it is different. God calls them to pull up stakes and walk away from all that has given them a sense of belonging, a sense of security, a sense of home. And they go with only God's promise that God will make of them a great nation and that others will find a blessing in them. Along the way, Abram builds altars, small, tangible reminders of the God on whom he is staking his life and that of his family. Small acts of worship of this God who promises great things through old Abe and Sarah. Abram carves out sacred spaces along the long journey to pause and give thanks. Long before I heard a call to ministry, and even when I felt like God and I were on the outs, I loved walking into sacred spaces like churches and pausing there. That love of sacred spaces has not changed. The first time I stood in this place alone, right at two years ago, actually, my husband Dave and the search committee ventured into the clock tower with Jock while I remained in the choir loft. I stayed put because I didn't want to tumble unceremoniously during an in-person interview and because I wanted a moment to breathe, to breathe in the beauty and the quiet of this place. I savored a chance to pause, pray, and imagine myself here. Because as you know, there is something alive in the quiet of sacred spaces, even when they are all but empty. I love the startling hush amid a busy city, the silent but stubborn flames of candles, and the ways the backs of pews are worn from year after year of hands pressing on them where people have leaned on them to stand or kneel. I take notice of the scratches on the floor from feet that have walked in to celebrate weddings and baptisms and others that have shuffled in to say goodbye to a loved one or to cry out to God in prayer for a sick friend 
or a broken relationship. These two are altars along the way. Sacred spaces carved out for worship and prayer. Tangible reminders erected by others who have staked their claim on this God. Abraham's story is the first chapter in ancient Israel's family story. In Abraham, Israel understands its beginnings as a small nation, an underdog, an outlier. This people will stake their lives on this one God, the very God who now ties himself to them through this one Mesopotamian and his family. We find our beginnings here too, of course. Abraham and Sarah are our ancestors as well. That said, I should say that their example is not always one we should strive to follow exactly. It's usually the case with ancestors, isn't it? Abraham will pass his wife off as his sister in a few verses, and Sarah will insist on, ha- on Abraham's having a child with her maidservant Hagar, and will then demand that Abraham send Hagar and that child away. Not exactly patterns we should strive to emulate. That said, they are our ancestors in the faith, and they still have something to teach us. One scholar points out that where Abraham belongs is not where he is. In order to be the blessing God is calling Abram to be, he must leave behind much of what he knows. He must relinquish the things he has clung to for his security. He must leave behind the status and the safety net of his father's house and his father's household. And once he begins the journey, he will not be able to cling to one campsite or one altar. Yes, he is given opportunities to pause along the way, but God's call to him is forward, always forward, not idolizing what he has left behind, but trusting the future that lies ahead. God calls him to trust the promise, to trust the future God is building through him, to trust that he will indeed be blessed, that he will be a blessing, that others will find a blessing in him. One unassuming, unspectacular Mesopotamian with a wife who is yet to bear a single child. We are not nomads. And yet we too are hoping to be faithful to the same God who calls Abram and Sarai. About 218 years ago, a faithful band of Presbyterians carved out a sacred space here in Concord when they purchased two acres of land for 10 pounds to build a meeting house. They set down their stakes with the intention of worshiping the same God who made promises to Abram and Sarai. And for over two centuries in five different sanctuaries, this community of faith has pointed to God's faithfulness as people have traveled the journey God has called them to take. For generations, people from all over have found a place to rest here as they have stopped in to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and pray and sing and cry and laugh. From here, faithful ones have gone to seminary, just as Renee is doing now. Others have traveled to far-flung places and just across town to embody the blessing that God has poured out upon others and upon us. As a community, we've pounded nails for habitat, served meals at the night shelter, sorted cans for CCM, crocheted and knitted shawls to warm weary and worried shoulders, and traveled to Haiti. 
partner with schools and lend expertise to building projects. From here, countless ministries have taken flight in caring for unhoused families, for students in need, for women and children seeking a way out of abusive relationships, and for communities across the state and around the world recovering from storms and earthquakes. Now, I don't want you to get nervous. I'm not lobbying for a new sanctuary. I do not believe God is calling us to pull up our tent stakes in any literal sense. I do believe, however, that God is calling us beyond the place where we find ourselves now. We are always being called forward in faith, beyond the bounds of our own tent, outside the lines of family, tribe, or clan. God calls us and has always called us to stake our future not on how well we plant or tend to our own tent stake. The God of Abram and Sarai is always calling us to step out, to understand that our greatness, our blessedness is not found in anything we create or build, but in the God who continues to choose to build and bring blessing, not in spite of us, but through us and with us. One scholar refers to God's calling of Abraham and Sarai as a daring plan to spread blessing throughout the world, beginning at one tiny specific human starting point. So perhaps God's most daring act of all is found in God's continuing to work blessing through specific human beings like you and me, through human communities like this one tucked on Union Street in the midst of an historic and rapidly changing community. It's not about the tent or the tent stakes rather about those who gather and are sent out to be a blessing. It's not because we are great. It's because God is. A few more chapters down the road in Genesis, the excitement wears off and Abram begins to wonder aloud if God's promise can be true. When all seems lost, when lovingly built altars have disappeared in the rearview mirror, when Abram's hands are raw from pounding and plucking up tent stakes, more times than he's able to count. And when Sarai is still not a mother, God calls Abram out of the tent. Look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. This is how many children you will have. Inside that tent, Abram loses sight of who God is and what God has promised and still promises to do. He has to step out of the tent to be reminded. I'm guessing the same can be true for us. When we are fearful about the future or grieving what is no more, it is tempting to hole up in the tent. That might just be the moment we're called to step outside the tent and look up and try to count the stars instead. Because God is calling even now. And God's promise is still as true today as it was all those years ago. This God, the creator of the stars, is still the daring one who claims us and names us. This God still longs to build a people who stake our life not on our name or on our hometown or our tent staking or altar building talents, but on God and God alone. This God still wants to build a people to bless every nation in the world. God is still calling. Are we listening?
will we go? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.